What's going on, everybody? This is James Grandmaster Facts Boys. You're here for another episode of the Facts Project. Today, very special guest, Onaji Rouse. Haven't been with you in a minute, my brother. We are here to not only talk about his newest installment, Drafted Origins, which is live now on GoFundMe, which is the live action adaptation of a very specific comic book that you I have right here in Odina. And 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 no, and anything that Onaji is bringing up is is based on my love of Concrete Comics, his his team, his company, and exactly what he's bringing to the table. Thank you for being here again, brother. Thank you for having me. Thank you, Facts. Long yeah. time coming. You know, look, I'm always ready to come join you. Yeah, no, for, for sure, because you know what I'm saying we go a ways back. You know, like pre-pandemic. Pre-pandemic. You know, back when we was all clicking and shit. <laughs> you know, so, so inevitably, of course, when you reached out to me about this project, I remember specifically maybe a year and a half ago, you uh, brought up the fact that you had you wanted to bring uh, Odina to life mm-hmm. and in some type of aspect. And with the help of a good young brother who I, of course, had a, a, had on the podcast before, Jonathan Armour, who was doing fabulous film work down there in Atlanta, you and him put your heads together and created what we now are seeing with the with the snippets and the trailer that are pretty much put out in Drafted Origins. Now, if you could catch us up to speed, because those of us that have read Odino over the years are new to this. Like, yeah. what, it, what is Drafted Origins? Like, like please. So Drafted Origins, it's, it's a small window of before the comic book even kind of like took off. It's like kind of like this alternate like look at like how Odina will kind of grasp to being this hero. Like, you know, when she went back to Atlanta, you had that time period of what was going on in the streets. And also you get to meet like the other people within Atlanta. You got this ensemble cast of characters like within this world. So you, it's a plethora. It's kind of like Heroes meets Black Lightning. So mm. it's like paths across, you know, journeys across. So it's it kind of still has centered um, Odina around the world, but you also get to meet like the people within her world and their powers and what they got going on and the nonsense that she gets involved with. <laughs> so Right. So so pretty much if you want to display it in some type of form, it's like an Elseworlds episode of Odina. Yes. So I, I remember, of course, with going through this first issue, you know, we pretty much get brought into Odina's origin, uh, yeah. who, who she basically came to be. And um, basically, as far as like her mythology, what, mm-hmm. what what brought her to terms as far as her power scale, who she got her power from, who she's related to. Uh, there's no, there's more than just her that as far as like have this sort of metahuman type of uh power scale amongst them and then we kind of get shifted to atlanta mm-hmm. well here's the thing here's the beauty about film and tv is that if you wait a little longer it's true stuff will be revealed it's always a flash always a flashback scene yeah but no it's not that but i planned out this over what a season two seasons mm. so i got an idea of like how her origins kind of still play out. I mean, even though it doesn't steer too far away from the actual comic book, mm-hmm. you're going to be pleasantly, pleasantly surprised when you find out, oh, like, oh, like, right. I wanted more grounded, but at the same time, kind of, you know, still 
have that, you know, stay true to my my material. So yeah. Now the, the now reading the summary for the Go GoFundMe, you've come to find out that the power scale of a lot of black folk within drafted origins all reside in Atlanta, right there in the mm -hmm. South, all pretty mm -hmm. much in this certain specific area. So me living in Jersey guy, just live normal. <laughs> well, here's the thing. Who says it's, it's normal elsewhere? I'm just saying there's a, a more powerful combined like energy collected in Atlanta, especially when it comes to black people, whichever way you look at it, you know, as, um, Andre 3000 said the South has something to say. Mm -hmm. And even when I went one time to the African-American Museum, there was always this collective of the new Negro in the South. And it always centered around Atlanta. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you know, most men, especially like black cities, there's a certain energy that's there. But in Atlanta, you know, it. it I know. So, so, <laughs> so I'm just saying Atlanta is definitely one of the cities in this world that yeah, it's it's a it's a power scale. Yeah, because uh, well, actually, you got me a rough, a rough copy of uh, Drafted Origins that I was able to view, and it can't come to find out, even in some of these snippets, like when when uh when one of, when one of like say someone like Odina is someone is faced with somebody of her same power scale, there's no surprise here. They're not surprised mm -hmm. that somebody else has powers. It's yeah. kind of like we we run into people with powers all the time. Yeah. So, so inevitably, I guess no, there's no scale of, uh, I guess, uh, suspense around exactly what you come to run into when you're running in these Atlanta streets, because you might just run into somebody who can scream, yeah. like, scream like a banshee or yeah. who has the power scale to be a telepath and read your mind. Mm -hmm. The only suspense you're going to get in the series is going to be how stuff play out, like backstabbing. Like you know, like House of Dragons type drama. <laughs> right. But well, I so, come to find I come to find that out because I guess a lot of people don't seem to um know when their powers are working or maybe are, are just coming to discover what yeah. their powers are. And yeah. like there's a there's a climactic scene in the end with the telepath, a specific telepath, and it's like, okay, um I I don't know how I did that, but um yeah, that's exactly what it is. Yeah. <laughs> See, in part two, there's an origin flashback in the beginning of the character Anthony. Mm. And, yeah, and you learn how like his powers manifest. And then on top of that, but every episode, there's a flashback of each of the characters. Mm -hmm. and it shows them like, like where this, you know, their paths come from. Because, you know, the beginning of this one, it was a young Odina. Mm -hmm. The next one's going to be Anthony. After that's going to be Tank. And mm -hmm. then the next one's going to be Tucci and Rabbit. Anthony always did drugs to suppress his powers. Okay, I'm glad you got that because I wanted to halt right there because every time I saw Anthony, he was timid, completely yep. shy, and he was scared half the damn time. Mm -hmm. So him using drugs to suppress his, his powers and not necessarily wanting to bring them to the fold – is there somewhat of a traumatic incident to when he discovered his powers to where he doesn't want to see that happening again? What the GoFundMe's for, so you can This is when I start asking my, my gotcha questions. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, you good. No, you good. But no, it's it's funny you say that because 
throughout the series, you're going to, well, in the beginning of part two, you learn what happened to him in that small part when he really, like, focused his powers. Right. Tank's powers came a little later. That's why at the end, you saw how he kind of awakened them. But yeah. he's always been tough. But he he never fully, like, understood them. And also Rabbit the same way. So, so. Yeah, and, and it is. It... Like, because we, me and you both talk about the X-Men a lot. We we talk yes. about it and everything. We, we understand we understand that basically the, the discovering of their power scale is usually based on adolescence. You know, they they, yes. they might have hit puberty or something like that. And then they're coming, yep. coming into themselves and finding their powers on their own. So I always found that you kind of surfaced a lot of your characters in that sort of fashion. Yes. Oh, well, wait till you see, that's what I'm saying. Wait till you see part two. When I tell you there's a place that houses people with special abilities that Anthony ends up going to. You got a Krakoa? It's kind of like a Krakoa, except <laughs> we don't have the island. Look, I wish I, we could get the island. But you see where I'm going, right? Right. I do see where you're yeah. going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's a place. It's a place. So, so in Inevitably, the storylines that you that you've written for Odina, um, do any of them pretty much uh come to life in this uh, like through the series within these two seasons? Yeah, yeah, we actually learn her like her. So her mother is not really her mother. Wait, from this. Even in the comic book, I never really told about that. But Odina's actual mother is not really her mother. Her mother is the goddess Alset, who is you know Isis. Yeah, and she also gave birth to Lady T. See, I man. know, mind, mind blown, right? I was gonna yeah. save that. I've been reading three. I've been reading three issues of this, and you gonna tell me? This. <laughs> okay. But it, uh, normally, I, I what what see that's good to know because that's something outside of the books. So if you were to read the books and then you understanding that this this portion of a plot is only derivative to the live action adaptation, yeah, per se. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, but the thing is, o- Odina isn't ne- necessarily even a central point in this story. No. She's the she's gonna be a main point, but I wanted to like flow around her because okay. eventually it's still gonna lead back to her, right? Like yeah. So and I wanted to introduce like an ensemble cast because one of my main things about being in Atlanta is that we. So here's the thing with the market with Atlanta, we oftentimes don't get the same respect as the LA or the New York mm-hmm. market, even though we're a market like studios are moving here. Oh yeah, they're they're benefiting from the tax break, mm-hmm. but they don't necessarily hire the talent here, or the writers, or the directors, and all. They just come here to film. They ship everybody in, yeah. do the film here, and then get the hell out. Yeah, and even like there was something something not too long ago where there was an actor who they got paid less than what normally another actor from LA would get or something mm-hmm. because they were here, and one of the casting directors didn't really fight for them like that Mm. so we often don't get fought for and 
we no one bats for us. So one of my things is to be that bridge to this community and kind of be like, like, nah, dog, we got the talent here. We got directors, we got producers, we got writers, we got actors. Like, I really want to be like a force. Like, you know, Tyler Perry can't do it all himself. You know, you know he could because he got a. <laughs> I mean, I seen that. I seen that episode of Atlanta. I mean, he's doing five shows at one time. You know. <laughs> He got to take a break at some at some point. <laughs> Look, you saw that episode, Lord. <laughs> I was like, uh-oh. Trouble. Mr. Ch- Mr. Chocolate. Mr. Chocolate. Mr. But you know what, though? Funny part is I ain't going to even go there. Nope, nope, nope. Don't do it. But uh, nope. aside from the fact, okay, so um, I know of you and Jonathan being, of course, uh, very self-organic in mm-hmm. how, how you create. You know, yes. if, if ain't nobody gonna do for you, I'm gonna do it for myself. Yeah. So, um, of, uh, of course, uh, and no, we're talking about Jonathan Armour. Uh, he's, he has a, he had a YouTube series, uh, still does with, with sisters yeah. Um, yeah. that he introduced on YouTube. Of course, uh, if, if you haven't had the chances on YouTube right now, you can check it out. It's pretty much like yeah. a, a, a sector. Think, think of if, if if Dragon Ball Z was a real thing, yeah, you know, well, in, that, black. in that type of sense, yeah, yeah we're, <laughs> black, we're black folk, yes. <laughs> but but essentially, um, you two get together, and I'm pretty sure you've talked about this for years, yeah. And his love of comic books, as well as um, as well as his as well as his filmmaking, in yeah. and basically joining forces with you. And realizing that he's already been able to tap into the Atlanta film industry for this long, you as well, being a screenwriter, have been able to basically put your hat in that arena for many years down yeah. there. So I guess it was only right to be combative enough to say, you know, what we're going to do is we're going to highlight Atlanta's film market. Yes. Our actors, our actresses, our entire film crew, the key grips to the gaffers and the sound producers. We're just going to do this whole shit ourselves. Yeah. Now, the reception in doing that, when you started to do that, how was it? Most most of the time when it comes to this industry, people are more like, show, don't tell. Mm. And it's like a rule even in screenwriting, like when show, don't tell. Mm-hmm. So they... They need something tangible to see. So with when you are in this industry, you could talk a good game and say you got this and got this. And that might catch your eye. But until you actually present like the actual film or snippet or something, then they're going to be like, oh, snap, how can I be involved? Because like once they see, then they're like, okay, you're serious. Like you not. Can we curse on this? Yeah, you can curse on them. Yeah, we ain't fucking around. I wouldn't think you (laughs) <laughs> and I think that's the 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 wonderful thing about Jonathan and it's us teaming up is that he's serious about what he do, and I'm serious about what I do. And he said he was like, I don't, I don't care too much for writing. I like directing, and I'm like, I don't care. Too, I don't know how to direct, but I know how to write. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah, and I just sent him uh, episode two, and when you get a partner who is excited about the work you do. Mm-hmm. And he was like, man, I can't wait to film this. I was like, this is going to be great. And I was like, oh, okay. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it, it helps to have people 
who love to do what they do. Like even the actors when they show up and they giving it all, like that scene with Anthony. Yeah. Like <laughs> so one of my friends was like, that's an intense scene. Like he did a great job. And I was like, he really did. And I he's they're just that great of an actor. And it was hard to like kind of send them their clips too. Because I'm sitting there trying, I have to choose like what to send them for the right. reasons. And I'm like, everyone did such a great job that it's kind of tough. But yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's great when you have the people to kind of like really put the work in and then you produce something and people are just like, oh shit, you're serious. Now, um, me not being as familiar with GoFundMe as a lot of other crowdfunding sites, like why mm-hmm. did you... Why did you select that aspect, you and Jonathan, to go towards the GoFundMe route as opposed to Kickstarter? Is Kickstarter that limited? Do you have to pick like a time frame where GoFundMe is a little I bit think, more extended? Yeah. yeah. Kickstarter, it gives you a certain amount of days, whereas in GoFundMe, it, it's as you go along. Mm, I didn't know yeah. that. Yeah. And even though they'll take a percentage like Kickstarter, but it's not as limited as far as in like the days. Mm. So... And I'm just like, as we went, go along, I'm just building it up. So that way, it'll be ready to like just go over. Now, is this something that Jonathan did in the past with some of his past movies? Did he? No, but I know other actors who did it. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Yes. A lot of other indie filmmakers either use GoFundMe or Indiegogo. Hmm. Yeah. Wow, see now in the comic realm, people don't go to Indiegogo route because that's yes. where all the comics gate motherfuckers is living at. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And you know, most other people go to Kickstarter, so <laughs> it's true. It's true. Now that now that's generally new because um I getting into this type of medium. Um, and no, like I said, you you and Jonathan have been doing being in this field for a while. You actually started doing this before you do, did comics. Yeah. Now, now, how how long have you been a screenwriter? Since 2018? 2000. I think I actually started the comic first, and then, like, I started taking acting classes. Mm. And when I, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, then I, 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 I knew you when this came out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so this is all, <laughs> but, all at the same time? Yeah. Okay. It, it, the worlds don't co- correlate with each other. Uh, facts, it's it's weird. Like when I tell you, blurred culture and blurred community is totally different from entertainment with the actors and the film. It's like, but it start. It sometimes mesh because of you know Black Panther and yeah, like Lightning. But other than that, they don't know. So <laughs> so so. I, do you sometimes I, feel like you're living in between two worlds? Yeah. It it. it I told you it it comes to a point where I get I have to deal with the personalities from each, mm-hmm. the, and I have to say the phoniness and the fakeness, and it really like wears on me. So I'm just like, <laughs> <laughs> it it wears on me, bro. Like you just don't I get it. I totally get it. Now, um, essentially, like um, in putting this together, like as far as like I guess. The end game. So when you when you inevitably reach a goal, I think right now you're at like uh thirteen thirteen hundred bucks. You your goal was around like twenty five hundred, correct? Yeah. Right. And the thing is, with GoFundMe, you can you can go beyond that. Yeah. So um, it's like um, 
as far as like indie films, the end goal when you when you're basically putting this uh, pro production cost and everything together, is this essentially for just the one um, the one episode that the that basically the rough draft that you showed me the 37 minutes, or is this ongoing throughout the entire series? This is on. This is for part two of that thing. Like that episode that you saw is already done. Mm. Well, other than edits and stuff. Yeah. That, like, yeah, that's done. Like this post product, the payments for this is going towards production costs, locations, craft services, like you know, all that stuff for booking for. So like, it, and if we're trying to do it where we can mm -hmm. extend certain uh booking location so that way we can go ahead and wrap on three as well so knock that right. out <laughs> now does the does the comic book that's being created for this film correlate with the film yes it's like a little mini comic book that kind of introduces them like kind of like a little small like introduction nothing too big nothing too, mm -hmm. too yeah now mm -hmm. essentially this arc right here, right now, I believe uh, it's in issue three. Now, how how uh, now when we talk about this, how big is how big is this arc going to be till we get to a full volume? Are we going five, six issues with Odina? That, issue four is out right now for Odina. That, that's right. I'm sorry. So is it is it six? <laughs> it's six. Yeah, it's so, six. <laughs> and two, five, and six are already like colored. They just got to okay. get lettered. So. Gotcha. I'm about to so, say, uh, like, hey, I, ain't, I ain't get my, I ain't get my four yet. Hold up, I'm gonna get my four. <laughs> you know that ten of swords final battle, right? Yep. So, like, it, it, I guess, in essence, you're gonna have pretty much three projects going on at the same time. Yes. <laughs> Now, then I say, I told you I've been working with my head down. I told you yeah. I've been working my head down. Yeah, yeah, man, God, I mean, shit. <laughs> you just, just a hermit at this point. You just like in your shell. What's he doing? He's writing. What's he doing? He's writing. <laughs> you know, but oh my God, I turned into Mister. <laughs> yeah. Now, do now you still have Sister Circle and Kandaki? Are they mm -hmm. are they still going to have more more issues? Now I remember Sister Circle yeah. almost just being a one shot in the beginning, but then it was like that you had this little bit of a, uh, I guess, uh, feedback from a lot of the the community that was like, uh, yeah, you can't just do one of these, bro. Yeah, so I was like, I'm gonna get uh, two more issues for Sister Circle, which I already wrote out. So they're written, written. They just got to get an artist behind them, mm -hmm. and Kentucky is actually four issues. And issue two is already like in works, and issue three and four closes that storyline. So, yeah, <laughs> I'm I'm actually glad that you have a whiteboard next to you because I couldn't pay attention to none of that shit. <laughs> look, look, I needed one, bro. <laughs> Real, you got to draw out your outlines daily of of your day. <laughs> oh, I didn't even tell you how I plan on introducing uh Kandaki in the live action. Really? Oh, see, yeah. see. I knew, I'll send you my picture. I, I knew that was coming. I, I knew, look, I figured because that, that was going actually going to be one of my questions. I was like, does Kandake or either that or even members of Sister Circle, if there's if there's any type of notion, if there's an Easter egg that throws yeah. it out there that 
Maybe yes. we don't know. I, I figured it's going to be something like that. Good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So if I had a bigger budget and I was able to write more of the or make more of the seasons for season one, there was going to be a title of an episode, Sissy Circle, mm-hmm. where it's going to be the women of the sanctum kind of helping out like on a certain mission. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't going to necessarily be like the actual comic book, but it was going to let you know, like, this is where it could go towards. Right. Yeah. So if you had the budget that you wanted to, and and mm-hmm. no, you you created drafted as somewhat somewhat of this street level type of uh series. It it keeps yeah. Od- it keeps Odino on a level playing field, even though a lot of people have a high power scale. Everybody's pretty much okay. Yeah. But if you had a full production call, say you know, you had a, a nice little budget, would we mm-hmm. see Odina in Egypt, in Africa? Doing her thing first? Will we see the type of costume design that you put in like the first 10 pages of the first book? Here's the thing. She would definitely get a costume, but it probably wouldn't come to like season two. I wouldn't think so. I wouldn't think so. So I would just just more so think that like she, her, her origin story of where she's from and the people that she derives from would more so play apart just in that little first episode well episode two she gets uh someone comes back into her life like an old i want to say old fling mm-hmm. a friend but someone who used to be in the program with her uh so he's pretty much gonna uh take her you know back under his wing to uh, go back out in the streets like he so okay i can't get too much on the character no, 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 it's, it, and, it, and it's fine i i don't want you to t- give us <laughs> you know <laughs> uh, because but, i who uh, because of who odina is you know what i'm saying yeah in the comic book she got a lot of attitude and yes. she is very defiant of authority figures yes um, so you know like at some point in time, of course, in this first uh, the, the this first episode, you don't get to see that that much. But I'm yeah. pretty sure it's coming. Well, it's this is the origins where it leads up to, and mm-hmm. you get to see where it comes from. Yeah, because the like, government does get involved at some point here. Yeah, well, not only that, but life happens. Like the one thing I I try to tell people is that you know there's a time span you know when she goes to Atlanta to when she goes back to being with the program that life hits her you know she learns the hard way she's on her own she ain't got no money like mm-hmm. you know she barely making it like that kind of changes a person so so we're gonna get to see that in the series and and you know she kind of thinks of herself as indestructible until she gets knocked on her ass once yep you know it, regardless of how OP anybody is well, here's the thing, and that's funny you said that because there's a character who they're powerful, but they're not like Odina powerful, but they can bring him, bring her to her, um, they can bring her to her knees. Mm. Yeah, somebody like, we, somebody we've already seen. No. Oh no! King, no, no, no! Like think of the Purple Man, except a little bit more powerful. Oh, nasty! Yeah, I, I like where you're going there. Like, yeah. All right. So, uh, <laughs> it, how, now, how, how's the state of Concrete Comics? The state is good. I mean, we still chugging along. I think yeah. what 
Deja Vu just wrapped their Kickstarter. Yesterday. Little... Or was it this morning? It might have been yesterday. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> but, but the thing is, you know, I remember, of course, uh, if we're talking in 2018, it was just you, uh, Jamel, and Lonzo. Yeah. And, and Daniel basically doing the, doing the editing. You know, yeah. Daniel, Daniel's now a full-scale creator. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So he, he jumped out of the editing mode. And now, like, if you were to go on the Concrete website, you now have a plethora of creators now. I mean, yeah. of course, uh, and, and the character building, like, if if I was the this is just a portion, but if I was to bust out my my concrete stack, yeah, getting pretty, it's got some weight on it now. Yeah, you know, you've already con contributed to a volume that you all basically painstakingly put in. Um, there's about, I'm gonna say five six series with over three issues a piece. So like when when we talk about the the beginnings of a a high quality comic book publishing company mm -hmm. that puts out creator um creator driven comic books year after year you know y'all yes. tend to put out what three different projects within a year yeah. usually if not more so when you when you when you think of yourselves in the five years since y'all started and how y'all been able to basically build yourself up to this point and almost put yourself up there with the big boys of the world, you're now being distributed by Diamond. You know, mm -hmm. so where your comics are now nationwide without y'all pushing out the trunk of your car like your master P and no limit. <laughs> <You know? laughs> You know, like how how does a, a a situation like that feel? Hmm. To be honest with you, it hasn't really settled in until I I'll go someplace and I will talk to people and mm -hmm. I still have this I wanna call it imposter syndrome. I'll call it just I call it I'm I'm being modest. This, and that's good. Yeah. That's a good and, way to be. Yeah. I'll, I'll tell people like, yeah, you know, I'm an independent comic book creator. Uh, you know, I've got my own titles. And most of the time people are just like, you have a comic book? And I'm just like. Yeah. And, to, and you know, me, it's like second nature. It ain't it ain't no thing for us. It's like, yeah, like, yeah. It's yeah. like, no way. It's like, yeah. yeah. So it, it's starting to slowly, I'm starting to slowly realize that it's no easy feat. And I am proud of like how far we've come and what we accomplished. So yeah, pat myself on the back. Shit. Yeah. Because <laughs> uh, you know, nowadays when people say concrete comics, like that name holds a little bit more weight than it did in 2018. Yeah. You know, it was like you you write for concrete. And I, I've seen yeah. when y'all head the cons. You know, like it, we're not talking about the days where y'all like were trying trying to get funded for your comic books. Yes. You know, yeah. it's uh it's it's an easy win. It usually happens within a few yeah. hours. Um yes. you know, and and necessarily like what you guys have built has definitely always been something 
something to be seen because like you don't y'all y'all don't take it lightly. There's a lot of creators that came out during like the same time frame. Some of them aren't doing yeah. anymore. Yeah. You know? I can only imagine. I think the thing is also consistency. So it is. You know, that's that's gonna separate a lot of people mm-hmm. from the rest. So just thank God for that. Yes. <laughs> you know? Yeah, what 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 yeah, the thing is there's been a lot of people that have created comics that haven't been able mm-hmm. to get them. I'm I'm putting out a comic book. Cool. It looks like this. Really cool. Uh Kickstarter's about to get live. Cool. Fund the project. Cool. When am mm-hmm. I getting it? I don't know. Exactly. <laughs> That's why. And I think with us, we make sure it's done before. Yeah. That way it doesn't feel like they have to wait so long to get that project because that's the one thing I think a lot of people should definitely do when it comes to projects is, no, you need to have the book done first. So that way you can build up your rep as being a reputable publisher, especially because you don't have a backing of a, you know, the big, the big machine. So you got to like, you got to make it work. Yeah. And even, even outside of that, the, the accolades that you guys have been able to get over time, not only from uh, the community within, but the community at large, you know? So yeah. like the, the glyph awards that you guys uh, started to snatch up when you, when y'all first started putting your stuff out there, I know that was surprising to a lot of y'all. I remember when the nominations came out and then when y'all won some shit, y'all was like, fuck. I'm like, why are y'all shot? Well, hopefully win some more this again this year. Yeah. Yeah, for real, for real, man. Look, man, it's a testament to y'all company, man. Y'all, y'all really do the damn thing. Um, now, now I remember for, what after COVID, you know, y'all had the opportunity to go go to cons for the first time and mm-hmm. actually get the powwow with other creators. It almost looked like a cookout. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Well, you know At cons, especially you know with our people, so <laughs> yeah. Like, especially the ones in Atlanta, because I mean, here, I can even ask that question. Like, how is the scene and the comic book scene in Atlanta since the pandemic? It's not as, I don't know, it's interesting. It's not as, I don't think it's rebounded. Mm -hmm. Like, there's a scene here, but I don't think it's, I think after the pandemic, it kind of still trying to gather its feet. Like it's trying to gather its bearings because I don't think it's recovered, to be mm-hmm. honest with you. Gotcha. So, yeah. So me, I'm more like on the other circuit right now with the uh, entertainment-wise because tomorrow I got an event to go to for um, this event called Onset Atlanta, which is like filmmakers and like local filmmakers and stuff and they're celebrating their one-year anniversary. Mm-hmm. So, that's more of an active scene for me as opposed to the comic book scene. The comic book right. scene is, I mean, if it's happening, they don't reach out to me. So. <laughs> but yet when when you get Dragon Con that shows up, yeah. Atlanta Comic Con that shows up or anything like that, how different so, is that? Okay, so Atlanta Comic Con is still kind of new, but Dragon Comic Con shuts the city down. Does it? Because, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's just as bad as uh, San Diego Comic Con. 
I mean, I already know y'all traffic is horrible, but I'm just saying. No, it's, it's, it's a joke. It's, it's shitty. But imagine having that come here and then, okay, so let's, let me draw you a picture of how crazy that weekend gets when it comes to that shit. Labor Day weekend, you got Dragon Con. You got um, Luda weekend. You got the uh, basketball games. I mean, um, collegiate games. Yeah. You got Pride weekend. We have a bunch of stuff going on all that weekend. So Dragon Con descends like right downtown and they take up most of the pot, uh, of the section. They have all the hotels. Um, they booked all the floors in the Merrimark building. When I tell you lines are wrapped around like not just two buildings, like three or four buildings. Yeah, like they have it. They had to like get it down where they had people like trying to direct the traffic of the people yeah. for the lines. Like that's how bad it is for Dragon Con. Like it's it's chaotic. I, people are on trains to get downtown because they don't want to drive in the traffic. Mm-hmm. People, ferries, people in carnival outfits. <laughs> like it's 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 people watching season. So it shuts the city down. Dragon Con is massive compared to the Atlanta Comic Con because Atlanta Comic Con is still kind of new. Uh-huh. Dragon Con has been here since two thousand nine or something really? so and it's grown. yeah and it's grown mm. so yeah so yeah because i'm about to say i know people that be up here talking about they want to go to dragon con yeah when i tell you facts 2009 i first moved here i went to the parade was not that busy now it's to the point now where you go want to watch the parade which is free on dragon con on saturday morning you have to go in the parking lots and stuff to see because the streets are like flooded. Look like uh, a, a NBA championship rally parade. Yes. yes. Times 10. Because you have people in costumes and they sweating and it's hot as hell in Atlanta and they got on latex and shit. And you know, they probably stinking as hell. <laughs> <laughs> and so you just like, Lord. <laughs> So yeah, it, no, it it gets bananas for Labor Day weekend for that. Damn. So, and I would love for us to get a table there because when I tell you the Merrimart building is like um one of those trade show buildings where you, it's like oh, yeah, yeah. Old conference building. Yes, but it's like levels. So they already took over two of those buildings. Mm. Yeah, one building's for gaming and the other building's for vendors and art art alley and all that other stuff. Mm-hmm. And even that has lines to it as well. That's crazy. Yeah. So I would love us to get a table. We would do crazy there. So hmm. that sounds like something y'all need to hop on immediately. Yes. Tell me about it. Can you tell lines on that? I would I will absolutely tell Thank you. Me. Thank you. No, no, no problem. Look, but, I'm tired. <laughs> well, shoot, Onaji, for for anybody that wants to get their hands on uh the, the and contributing to the GoFundMe. And wanting to see drafted in its uh, in its entirety with the full funding of this program, uh, this project, um, let the people know what they can achieve as far as like tiers and everything. Um, yeah. If they if they are to contribute to this project, yeah, everybody once the project is funded, everyone is going to get an exclusive link to see part one. So we're only fifty four backers. Like if fifty four backers right now donated twenty dollars, we would reach our goal. Mm-hmm. And with every tier you select, it's there's a tier for you know digital downloads, there's a tier for an exclusive look, and there's also a tier for you to get um your own little character pinup done 
within a, a universe. So, but everyone donated will get an exclusive look to the project once we uh, reach our funding. So they get to see the pilot. Dope. Man, look, it's good to see you, bro. Thank you. We got to talk more about X-Men next time. Man. Uh, yeah, because I'm still reading and I'm sure you are too. Wait a minute. Are you? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So I'm <laughs> definitely still reading. Sure. Well, uh, oh, Nadi, it's been real. I appreciate you doing this with me. It's always good seeing you, brother. Yes. Thank you. Thank and, you for having me. Thanks. And I, I wish you well in, in this project, and I know it'll get funded, and I and I, I look forward to seeing the end project. Yeah, your mouth, the black Jesus here. <laughs> for sure, on that. All right, so for everybody out there, this is Onaji Roush, James Grandmaster Facts Boys, and we are out. Out.